don't mind, if you don't mind, just remain standing for just a second while the choir finds their place. It'll be easier for them to find a seat if there is one. Amen. Uh, but while they're going down, if you'll take your Bible, if you'll take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you guys, if you see somebody looking for a seat, scooch over. All right, my, my dad used to say it this way. I grew up in a pastor's home, and my dad would say, that's when you practice S-O-S, S-O-S, which is supposed to mean scoot over some. All right, I, I have such a spiritual church. One day, I, I announced that. I said, we need to practice S-O-S. What does that mean? And somebody hollered out, short on the sermon. Uh, we kicked him out. Hey, Amen. we don't let, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But if you do see somebody kind of looking for a seat, just if there are seats in between you, just move in. Just move in and let them, let them be able to find a seat and, and, and a place to sit. My soul. My soul. Now, look, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Since, since y'all kind of got shafted and y'all, y'all kind of got bad seats, don't worry, because I'm going to come over here and preach a lot so you can see me, okay? So we want to make sure. How many of y'all are glad they're here with us? And, 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 yeah. Now look, they sacrificed and gave up the good seats so y'all could have them. Amen? There you go. Don't worry. I'll be over here in just a minute. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter number 15. Has everybody found their place? Everybody found their place? All right. All right. Well, you can be seated. You can be seated. Brother Sam, how'd it go this morning? Went good? All right. All right. Well, this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about probably the most familiar parable in all of the Bible. Uh, Jesus would tell parables, Jesus would tell stories to illustrate a point and get his point across. And in this particular uh, parable, how many of y'all remember you've heard about the story of the prodigal son? Raise your hand. You've heard about the story of the prodigal son. Well, this story, Jesus is dealing with Pharisees. Now, uh, Pharisees in that day were the really souped up religious people who thought they were better than everybody else. Now, I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but there's still some of them hanging around today. There's still people who are snooty, snobby, self-righteous, and think they're better than everybody else. Now, let me tell you how you can, let me tell you how you can diagnose whether you're a Pharisee or not. While I'm preaching, if you think about somebody who needs to hear what I'm saying, you may be a Pharisee. Uh-huh. I'm going to park right in your garage today. Amen. Now, 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 listen. Let's say this with me. It's me that needs this message. Okay, let's don't think about our neighbor. Let's don't think about the one sitting beside us. Let's don't think about that one that's not here. You're here, and God gave me what to say, so apparently we need it. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is telling this story because these Pharisees are upset that Jesus is hanging out with sinners. In other words, he's hanging out with the undesirable. He's hanging out with people they wouldn't be caught dead with. They were sinners and publicans. And here Jesus, who's supposed to be the son of God, who's supposed to be the holiest one walking on the planet at this time, he's hanging out with the people, the deplorables, if you will. And they don't like it. So Jesus tells this story so they could understand the grace of God and the serious need of men. Are y'all with me? So this is what I want to do. I want to take this story. I want to take this story and, and, and show you two major, major points we all need to get. First, the great grace of God. 
Let me say that again. The great grace of God. Man, if you've not thought about it lately, but God is so good. He is so full of grace and so full of mercy. And I want you to see that today, but not just that. I want you to see the serious need of humanity. The serious need of humanity. So as we tell this story, let's just, and, and by the way, there's no way, there's no way to tell this story in one, one message. So we broke it down into three and we're going to start out with the first part today and then we'll continue it next week. So you got to come back and hear the rest. All right. You got to, you got to do what Paul Harvey said and get the rest of the story. So some kids in here are like, who's Paul Harvey? I keep forgetting my age. Amen. All right, Luke 15, if you found your spot, look in verse number 11. If you're there, say amen. amen. It says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father." I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father ran and had compassion on him and said, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, man, I tell you what, I'm just going to stop a minute. Do you remember when you came to the Lord guilty? Listen, you came guilty. You came knowing, knowing you were guilty. But God, instead of bringing justice, he brought forgiveness. But God, amen, amen. But the father said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. That right there proves they was Baptists. Come on now. Dinner on the ground. We can't have nothing without eating. Amen. Now watch what he says. Let's read this all together. Verse 24. Let's all read together. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was and is And they began to be married. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to know, to know that you have given us eternal life. Lord, I thank you that even though we've rebelled against you, even though humanity has turned their back on you, Lord, you never turned your back on us. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll move in this service. Get all the glory. Please help me anoint my mind and my heart. Lord, you know what I need to say. You know what I need to keep to myself. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Hey, Joe. What's up? It's a little late, eh? Doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. 
Why? It doesn't matter. It's just, it's, it's just but, one. But one looks to be home at midnight. It's one thirty-two. Just having fun. Just going out with all my friends. Why are you having fun at one o'clock in the morning? Because it's the best time of the day to do it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, what what's going on? I've been really, really concerned. Noticing you just you've changed here in the last few weeks. Well, actually, you and Mom are always on my back, oh, and no. I really can't stand it. You guys have all these rules. You're never listening to what I have to say. And, and in fact, I really just want to leave this place. I can't stand it here. All you guys do is complain about where I'm at, what I'm doing. I can't stand being here. Look, Joe, all of these things you're hating and, 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 and not liking, the rules, the curfews, that's because we love you, son. We don't want to see you ruin your life, man. Well, I've seen it too many times in young people. It just kind of feels like you're bossing me around, trying to get me to do exactly what you want to do. And I want to do exactly what I want to do, because you guys never look, listen to look, me. Look, I'm sorry you feel that way, but we're going to pick this up again tomorrow. Well, I don't want to wake your mom and your, and your sister and the rest of the house up. So go to bed, get a good night's sleep, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. Whatever, man. Please, God. Just give me the right words to say. Hey, Joe. What's up? Oh. Why do you want to talk to me, old man? Well, we need to finish our conversation from last night. No, we don't. Yeah, we do because it's it's affecting the whole family. You're you're disrespecting your mother. You're causing friction throughout the whole house. Okay. You're late for work. Just, dude, you're going, you're just, you're in a tailspin. I don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly what's best for me. I'm doing what's good for me and to, to succeed in my own life. You guys are just always putting these dumb rules on me. You're always on my back. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm about to just, just leave this place. I hate it. Son, the rules and the, the curfews, all the dumb stuff, that's, that's, so you won't go down the wrong road, man, and, and like I said last night, and, and ruin your life. The wrong road? I know exactly where I'm headed. I'm headed down the awesome path. Well, son, I want to tell you this. There's no such road. Yes, there is. There's no such road. I'm telling you. It's the road I'm about to go down right now. I'm out of here. How many of y'all here today have teenagers or had teenagers? Raise your hand. All right, all up in the balcony. How many of y'all remember the day that that alien came home? <laughs> I mean, sweet little Johnny went to school one day, a kind, considerate soul who did everything he was told, and he come home from school, and something happened. Something so different, somebody totally that's not who you sent, and you're thinking, what happened? What happened? And in this story, in this story, now it's hard for us to comprehend what Jesus is saying in the story of the prodigal son, because today this is the norm. 
This is the norm. If you go out, if you go to the grocery store, if you go to the ball field, if you go to, to places where there, there are young parents with young children, you're going to see a lot of this. You're going to see kids talking to their parents. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the God's truth. If I talk to my parents like I'm seeing being happening around me, I wouldn't have no teeth in my head. How many of y'all, how many of y'all were raised, how many of y'all were raised when you still got a whooping? <clears throat> Amen. God bless you. My parents knew nothing about time out. The only time out they knew is when mom was whooping me and she timed out and dad started whooping me. <laughs> Do I have a witness? And you, and you see in this particular culture that Jesus is talking about, in the ancient day, it was a completely shame and, and honor-based culture that you did not do anything to bring shame on your family. You would honor your family. And when you read this story, you've got to get that part. You've got to understand that what this young man is doing is bringing unbelievable amounts of shame upon his family. Not only does he have, he doesn't have a right to ask what he's asking for. He is the younger. He's not even the firstborn. So he, listen, he, he, this is what he says. Give me the, what's coming to me. Now, everybody knows that, that it, the inheritance doesn't come until the person what? Dies. And so what this young man is saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Just give me what I deserve. And, and I'm telling you, in that day, he would probably be struck down by his father. The father would take him to the public square and have him publicly flogged in that day. And Jesus is telling this story of the, the most shameful rebellion. Now, as we, take the, as we take the application of this, listen, this is the story of humanity. This is the story of humanity. Jesus is trying to show them, Jesus is trying to show them how gracious God is. And you know the whole story. You know what the father did. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But you got to understand where this young man is. He is in a state of rebellion. Say that with me. He's in a state of rebellion. Rebellion. The Bible classifies rebellion as a sin of witchcraft. Rebellion, Webster's Dictionary, it defines rebellion as this. Open resistance to lawful authority. Open resistance to lawful authority. I, was, I read this, this article, and it says, In his book, Why Men Rebel, author Todd, or Ted Robert Gurr, he tries to explain why riots, rebellion, civil wars occur. He cites statistics of nations that have tried to overthrow their governments and usually through violent means. And this is what his observations came up with. He says he is, he is particularly intrigued in his claim that the primary cause of rebellion is discontent. Now think about that a minute. The primary cause, in his opinion, is discontent. He says that discontent arises from a feeling that people are being deprived of something they expect or feel they are entitled to. Did you hear that? Discontent arises from a discrepancy from what people have and what they feel like they are entitled to. For example, let's just say the employee at Burger King is getting one more dollar an hour than the employee at McDonald's. The employee at McDonald's finds out about this and he says, we're doing the same work. We ought to get the same pay. So we find discontent arises from the difference in pay. 
The discrepancy, again, as I said, the discrepancy between what people in society have and what they think they deserve. Now, you say, where are you going with this? I want to, I want to give you just two points this, this morning and we'll pray. The first, the first message that we want to deal with is rebellion. We find first in this story of the prodigal son, great rebellion. Then next week, we're going to talk about great ruin. Rebellion always brings ruin. But thank God, even when things are ruined, God has the power to restore. Amen? So you got to come for the third week. That's the good one. Amen? But today, we want to talk about rebellion. Rebellion. Where did this come from? How in the world did my sweet little young Johnny turn into this rebellious teenager who I just want to... You know what I found out? We got any grandparents in here? Grandparents, raise your hand if you're a grandparent. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Real high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Look at that amount of grandparents. Good night. Is it true? Y'all know. You know what? I saw a sign that said that grandchildren is God's gift for not killing your own children. I'm not there yet, but I'm praying. Amen. You know, you find that that this one day they took, what happened to you? Why are you acting like this? Why are you behaving like this? Where is this rebellion coming from? Well, I promise you this. It didn't start with little Johnny. If you take your Bible and you go back, you go back to the very first recorded instance of rebellion. It came from a created angel named Lucifer. Lucifer. If you look in the book of Ezekiel, I'm going to try to save some time. And, and, but if you'll go to Ezekiel, you'll find out it gives a great description of Lucifer before he fell. Do you realize he was an anointed cherub? He was an anointed angel. He had a great beauty and great wisdom and great privilege. He was able to be in the very presence of God. He was one who guarded the holiness and the presence of God. But the Bible says because of his beauty, he was lifted up in pride. And then if you go over to Isaiah, it gives you the second half of the story. He had privilege like no other angel. He had beauty like no other angel. He had power like no other angel. He had wisdom like no other angel. But in Isaiah, the Bible says, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou? Listen, he said, I will set my throne above the heavens. I will be like the most high. You see, rebellion, rebellion didn't start. Rebellion didn't start with your teenager. Rebellion didn't start where you think. Rebellion started a long time ago. It started with Satan. But then it continued with Adam and Eve. You see, Adam and Eve is in the garden. If you'll go and and read, I believe it's in Genesis chapter number 3. Adam and Eve is in the garden. Man, they had a perfect, a perfect atmosphere. They had a perfect society. There was no sin. There was was no issues. There was no curse. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all garden? Anybody garden? There was no weeds. There was no fleas. There was no ticks. There was no flies. There was no mosquitoes. It was perfect. And they were married and got along. Are y'all with me? I mean, what, what more could you ask for? They had everything they needed. They had everything they wanted. 
Listen, the Bible says that God put in there trees that were good for food and trees that were pleasant to the eyes. In other words, God didn't just want them to survive. He didn't just give them food to survive. He gave them the azaleas and the roses and the lilies and and, and all of these things to enjoy life. Man, they had it made. And then here come the devil. And this is what the devil told him. This is what the devil told him. He said, look, let me, let me tell you this. He says, hey, can you eat of every fruit? He said, all of them except one. We can't have the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And you know what Satan said? Ah, you know what? God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. God knows that the day you eat of that fruit, you're going to be smart as he is. You're going to know what he knows. And this is, now watch this. This is so important that you get. He convinced Adam and Eve that God was holding out on them. Now think about this. Think about this. They had everything. They had a great relationship with their spouse. They had all the food that they could ever need or want. They had provisions. They had providence. Think about this. They got to walk in the presence of God with every morning. But guess what? It wasn't enough. They felt like Because of the influence of Satan, they felt like God was holding out on them. Now, it continued with Adam and Eve, but then it, listen, it still goes on in humanity today. Do you realize Romans chapter number one, Romans chapter number one talks about mankind and humanity and the state that we're in. And and to shorten this up, let me read, let me read, let's see, Romans chapter number one in verse number 21. It says, because that when they knew God, this is mankind, this is humanity. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. In other words, they didn't put him in his proper place. Where is God's proper place? First. God is first. God is priority. God is number one. He is to have the preeminence in our life. And the Bible says that they didn't put God in his proper place. Why? Look what what it says. Neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Here's where I want to go. I'm going to give you these three things and we'll pray this morning. We see the, we see the course. We see the course of rebellion, right? It started with the devil. It continued with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve passed that, 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 that issue all the way down through mankind. It says, for as one man sinned, death entered into the world, and death by sin, so that all men have sinned. We have the same problem Adam and Eve has. We have the same problem. We deal with this. Now, where did this come from? What is the cause? What is the cause of rebellion? Well, I, I, I want to submit this to you. It's with the same thing that happened, same thing that happened with, with uh, Satan and Ezekiel. I want to go back. I want to go back and read that. <clears throat> It says, it says in Ezekiel chapter number 28, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15, it says, thou was perfect in thy ways. This is, this is speaking of Lucifer, Satan. Thou was perfect in thy, thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Thine heart, now here it is, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Because of thy beauty, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. Look at that one phrase. 
Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Where does rebellion begin? It begins with pride. Say that with me. It begins with pride. You know what pride is? In the simplest terms, in the simplest terms, pride is thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Pride is thinking you're more important than you really are. Pride is saying that, 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 that you are superior. You are superior to those around you. And let me tell you something. God hates pride. We all want to talk about the abominations in the Bible, but nobody brings up pride. You know, we don't want to talk about the sins we're guilty of, do we? But it's pride. It's thinking we deserve more. We deserve better. You remember what where discontent is? It's that separation between what we have and what we think we deserve. Come on. What we think we deserve. You know what? Satan is the highest angel. He's the greatest angel. He's the most beautiful angel. He's the most powerful angel. He, listen, there's only one person above Lucifer, and that was God. But guess what? In his pride, he felt like he deserved the highest throne. Look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had it all. Had it all. But they felt like they deserved more. I know what you're thinking. What's this got to do with me? Let me tell you something. Pride will destroy relationships. Pride will destroy relationships. We get to thinking. We get to thinking. We deserve more. We deserve better. Our spouse is not treating us good enough. Our spouse is not treating us right. And you know what the devil will do? The devil will jump on your shoulder and he'll go to whispering you. You'll have some minor argument. Some minor disagreement. As me and my wife call them, minor discussions. And it's not that big a deal. But the devil will jump on your shoulder and tell, boy, I tell you what, she just ain't treating you right. You deserve better than that. If she really loved you, she would, if if she cared about you, come on, do I have a witness? My wife's not here this morning, so I'm going to tell you like it is. Amen. (laughs) And you start thinking you're a lot more important. I I, I told this last night and I confess this. She was here last night when I preached this. But I, we, I have a doctor I'm working with, and he's helping me through some things. And, 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 and I was, I was uh, talking to him. I was talking to him about some, some, some problems me and Tammy was having, and, and I, I wanted him to fix Tammy. <laughs> I know y'all, y'all are not like that, but I, I, I told him something, and, and I thought he's just going to give me this great answer so I could tell her and straighten her out and fix her. And this is what he said. He said, Malcolm, she's not obligated to think as highly of you as you do. <laughs> My lip went to quivering. <laughs> How dare he say that to me? Amen. I mean, Tammy, she was shouting at me. Whoa, amen. She don't even ever do that, but she was amen in that day. Are y'all with me? Man, it's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up in our own emotions. It's so easy to get caught up in our own feelings and thinking we're a whole lot more important than we really are. And man, I'm telling you what, the devil will jump on your shoulder and he will help you with that. He will pet you and he will baby you and he will pamper you and try to convince you that you are more than everything. I know we're awful quiet today, but I know I'm preaching to somebody today. It starts with pride. It didn't start when that young man walked out on his father. How, how terrible that was. 
He said, give me what's coming to me. In other words, I want you to liquidate your wealth and everything that you have so I can have what's mine. And I just want to leave. You know, humanity's in that way, but it starts with pride. That young man felt like he was more important than he was. That young man felt like he deserved. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch what happens when pride gets involved in our life. The very second thing that happens is what we read in Romans chapter number one. The Bible says they did not put God in his proper place because they were not thankful. You know what happens when we allow pride in our relationships? You know what happens when we allow pride in our life? We stop being thankful for what we have. When I start thinking I'm more important than my spouse, I stop being thankful for what she brings to the table. You let me tell you what would revolutionize some of y'all's marriages today, and I don't know why we're talking about marriage so much. I guess some of y'all need it because this is what God's bringing into my mind. But this will transform your marriage when you start being thankful again for what your spouse brings to the table. Because when we have pride, we forget the things and we take for granted. We take for granted. Now, now listen, let's go into humanity. Let's get off marriage because I see y'all are liking that way too much in here. How often do we forget about the blessings of God in our life? I mean, this whole day is about the resurrection. Why was the resurrection necessary? Because we were sinners. We were undone. There is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, what we deserve is death. What we deserve is hell because we've fallen short of the holiness of God. But Jesus Christ came. He was born of a virgin and was raised Emmanuel, God with us. And because of what he did and his sacrifice, he died on a cross instead of me. But we get caught up in our pride and think we deserve something now if we was all honest if we was all honest today and I'm going to just be frank with you everybody in this room deserves to be in hell we deserved hell but because of Jesus we get heaven why does rebellion take place because of pride why does pride take place because we stop being thankful Thankful. Man, God's been so good to me. Well, I tell you what, I'm not saved. Well, God's been good to you too. Well, how's God been good to me? You're here. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You know what that means? Whether you're saved or not, you owe him praise. Let me say that again. Whether you're saved or not, you owe him praise. If you are breathing air into your lungs, you're borrowing it from him. And we stop being thankful. We stop being thankful for grace. We stop being thankful for what what happened to this young man? He forgot about the blessings of his father. He forgot that his father put a roof over his head. He forgot that his father included him in the enterprise of the family and gave him great provisions and great love and great care. Are y'all with me? He forgot and he stopped being thankful for the clothes on his back. He stopped being thankful for the food in his belly. He stopped being thankful for the roof over his head. 
Let me tell you humanity's problem. They stop being thankful. See, we have in humanity, we have this problem called forgetfulness. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. This is how serious this day was and how traumatic this day was. How many of y'all remember the day that the the planes flew into the towers? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many of y'all remember the atmosphere? I was coming coming from Atlanta, Georgia, driving uh, across I-20 and and coming back home. and, and, And it was the most eerie feeling ever. When I was coming through Atlanta, you know, the big uh, digital billboards across the highways, they were blinking, national state of emergency. I've never seen nothing like that. No planes in the air, national state of emergency. Everywhere you went, there was pray, pray, pray. Listen, on billboards it says pray. People were in churches. I mean, churches couldn't find enough seats for everybody because everybody was worried. Everybody was scared. Everybody was seeking God. Now where are we? I tell you where we are. We're voting in Muslims in the Congress. We're the people who said we'll never forget. But guess what? I'm just trying. I, 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 I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to tell you and show and prove to you humanity has a problem of forgetting. What has humanity forgotten? Humanity's forgotten that God designed them. God created them. God breathed into them the breath of life and they became a living soul. The life that you have, God gave it to you. And we stop being thankful. Rebellion comes from pride. Listen, when we stop being thankful, we develop discontent. You see, first it starts with pride. Then it goes to being unthankful, ingratitude. And then we become discontent. We're not happy with where we are. I want to tell you this story and we'll pray. There was a pastor several years ago who committed adultery on his wife, ruined his ministry, threw everything away, lost it all. Lost his home, lost his family, lost his ministry. And, and look up at me, everybody, look at me. Don't, don't look at me, look at me, because this is important. Look at me. And years later, he would be invited to speak about the failure. He would, he would be invited to speak like at men's conferences or, or, or pastor's conferences for him to talk about the failure in other words, to keep that from happening. And this is, this is his testimony. He said, you know, when people want me to come and speak about the issue, he said, they want me to talk about the affair. They want to hear about the affair. He said, but let me tell you what the greater sin was. He says, it was my pride. He said, the greatest sin was not the sin that you could see, the affair. He said, the greatest sin was the sin you couldn't see, my pride. Because it was my pride that led to the affair. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. If you're starting to think things you shouldn't think, if you you are thinking 
that you're more important than you really are. And I, I've got Bible. Let me, let me read this. Let me read this because I know what some of you are thinking because we're living in uh, such a, a, a selfie society where you're the most important. You're the center of the world. You're the center of the universe. And we're, we're, we're spoiling our kids so much that they're thinking that and they're not even thinking about the people around them. But look what the Bible says. It says in Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. You know what he's saying? He said you need to check up from the neck up. You need to remember who you are. You know, the psalmist said it this way. He said, when I considered the works of thy hands, when I considered the stars, the moon, and all the works of creation, he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Who are we that you would take the time to dwell with us and spend with us? Who is man that thou art? Why would you even think about us? You know what the psalmist remembered? He was made out of dust. And he was, listen, the more you see God, the more you see how needful you are. When you see the holiness of God and you feel the presence of God, you'll recognize the wretchedness of man. And we will see how great his grace is and how serious our need is. If you walk around, if you walk around thinking you're something, if you walk around thinking you're important, if you walk around thinking you're better than everybody else, you've got a major pride problem. And God hates pride. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Preacher, what are you saying? I want you to leave here humble. I want you to leave here understanding that God is everything and we are nothing. Let me say that again. God is everything and we are nothing. When, When man rebels against God's call of salvation... If you're here today and God has been speaking to you about salvation, God has been speaking to you about repenting and turning your life over to Him, and you keep saying no, guess what you're saying? I'm too important. You're rebelling against the call of God. You're rebelling. Jesus said today is a day of salvation. And every time you turn your back on God, every time you tell God no, you're rebelling. And you're rebelling because of pride. You're rebelling because you failed to see the goodness of God and what God has done for you and you're not thankful for the cross. Don't rebel today. In just a minute, Brother Jalen's going to come and we're going to sing a verse of invitation. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to swallow your pride. You see, this was not a message just for unbelievers. This was a message for everybody. Because till till Jesus comes, we're going to have to deal with our own pride, aren't we? We struggle with it every day. But I'm telling you what, the closer you get to Christ, the more you see how great he is and how needy we are. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm praying for you today. I'm praying that God would touch you right now. Listen, I want to ask you today, would would you like Jesus in your heart? Would you like to be forgiven? Do you know that Jesus died for you? He died to set you free. He died so you could be forgiven. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Nobody's immune to that. Nobody can get away from that. We all have a responsibility to answer to God one day. It says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. 
If you're here today and you say, Preacher, God's dealing with my heart. I feel it in my heart right now and I need to trust Him. I need to believe on Him. I need to believe on Him. Well, let me tell you how to do that. This is a full house. It's going to be hard to get out of your pew. So let me tell you how to do it right where you're sitting. Right where you're sitting. So, Preacher, how, how, do, I, how do I get saved? How do I trust Christ as my Savior? He made it very simple. He said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're here today, if you're here today, and you've told one little white lie in your life, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. And the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. Sin has to be paid for. But Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died so you didn't have to. Jesus paid that debt so you didn't have to. And he said if you'll receive him, if you'll believe on him, he would accept you just as you are. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to start anything. You don't have to, listen, just come to Christ like you are and God will save you today. If you're ready to do that, I want to pray with you.